Welcome to Digital Marketing Happy Hour, a podcast about marketing, technology, and life. In this episode, we're breaking down the third of the three digital marketing pillars, email marketing. It's episode 31, and it starts right now. Digital Marketing Happy Hour is brought to you by Araxum, your resource for marketing and technology. For more information, go to araxum.com. That's A-R-A-X-A-M.com. So welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us for the Thanksgiving episode of Digital Marketing Happy Hour. For those of you outside of the United States, Thanksgiving is a holiday that we celebrate here in the States where we give thanks. And I want to say it's truly been a pleasure and a privilege doing this podcast with you, Ryan. I feel like we've generated some followers and we've gotten some great social media communication, and I'm having a blast, and I'm really thankful for that. I'm thankful for it too, Chris. Absolutely. It has been a blast. It's, uh, by the way, Thanksgiving is my favorite. It, it's my co-favorite holiday, that and Christmas, uh, two different reasons, but uh, it is, it's a great holiday and I'm glad that we can uh, kind of celebrate it a little bit because 2020 is just an odd year anyway. So for to be able to share this, you know, normally you share it with friends and family in a house this year is going to be a little different, but it is still uh, one of my favorite holidays. I agree with you. It's one of my favorites, too, largely because of the food. But with the food comes the drink. And this is a happy hour. So what happy hour is complete without a few beverages? Ryan, what are you drinking this time? You know, definitely transitioning into more of the, the holiday uh, time. And we, we talked about it a little bit before we started recording and really excited. I'm not a big huge liquor drinker, not much at all. But if I do start to get into a little bit of, you know, the, the vodkas and the bourbons, it's usually this time of year, I stay away from gin, occasionally I do some tequila, but you know, not not most of the time. So today, it is a bourbon Woodford Reserve and uh, getting into the uh, the holiday spirit. What are you drinking, Chris? You know, it's funny you mentioned Woodford Reserve because as we talked about before the podcast, I actually picked up some just the other day and that is what I am enjoying as well. So it's rare that we're drinking the same thing and it's also rare that it's hard liquor. But you know what? This time of year, a good glass of bourbon goes a long way. Absolutely. So we have our beverages in hands. So let's get started with the show. He's Chris Casale. I'm Brian Smith. Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Digital Marketing Happy Hour. If you're new to our podcast, welcome. If you're a repeat listener, thank you. And if you continue to find value in this podcast, please do us a big favor. Would you kindly leave us a review? And that could be whether you're listening to us on Apple, on Spotify, on Stitcher, or whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on. So this is the conclusion of a three-part episode where we've been reviewing the pillars of digital marketing. Two weeks ago, during episode 29, we talked about search and search engine optimization. Last week, during episode 30, we talked about social media. Today is the third pillar, and we're going to talk about email marketing. 
we hear a lot about email and sometimes you hear a lot about email and the negative connotations of email. One of the things, of course, you hear about is, you know, email is dead. I mean, if there's one thing that has more clickbait than email is dead, and we talked about in episode 29, it's that SEO is dead. So we're big on death, apparently, in the marketing world. One of the top things, of course, that we hear and you can read is that email marketing is dead. So I personally just kind of went in and I did my own little research. So I did a Google search for is email marketing dead? Well, Google gave me the results that there were 180 million results for the search query is email marketing dead, which I knew there'd be a lot. Didn't quite expect them to be that much, 180 million results. Now I went and changed it and I said, okay, I did then did a Google search for just is email dead? Just that is email dead. Google came back with 1.2 trillion results of people writing about is email dead. So clearly that is something that people are writing on. I think a lot of it's just clickbait trying to get you to read their contents, but this is a topic that has been discussed for a long time now. Yeah. You know, those stats actually don't surprise me and uh, I wish they did, but it's interesting being marketers. I think we've maybe taken email marketing for granted a little bit, but I was at a client meeting last week and the Functional business owners were in the room along with the IT department. And, you know, one of the interesting things about uh, coming from the marketing angle is that everybody thinks they're a marketer, right? Everybody thinks they have some level of marketing expertise and they want to tell you, you know, what's the right way to do something versus what's the wrong one. And I was just observing the conversation at the time. And the business owners were talking about the need to configure this new tool so that they could better segment to send out these email communications that they were uh, looking to handle over the next few uh, weeks during the holiday period. And this person from IT stood up and basically berated them, telling them they're wasting their time. Nobody opens their email anymore. They should be focusing on SMS text messaging and social media and things like that. And I found myself laughing a little because the fact that we're talking about SMS texting in in 2020, when that's something that should have probably been done 10 years ago, uh, and then social media as well, it, it just makes me laugh because while those are and can be effective channels of communication... The data shows that text messaging tends to work better for reminders and social. You have to be very careful what messages you send over social because people look at their social platforms as sort of their their private space and they don't want to be pushed advertising to. And email today is a formal channel of communication. So when you need to send out important information, important communication, email is a very, very effective channel. And data is, is big, right? That's one of the, our pillars here at Digital Marketing Happy Hour is we always like to look at the data. And when you're making marketing decisions, make marketing decisions based on the analytics, based on the data. So we're going to start with some stats and some data, and we're going to then continue down on this episode. So eMarketer reported that 81% of retail professionals say email marketing is a successful way to acquire new customers. Now, compared to 51% who think the same about social media. All right, that's interesting. Let me just repeat that. 81% of retail professionals say email marketing is a successful way to acquire new customers compared to only 51% who think uh, social media is that way. So that makes email more than 40 times more effective for acquiring new customers than either. Facebook, or Twitter. Now combine that, you are six times more likely to get a click from an email 
than you are from a tweet. Now that's comparing Twitter, but still six times more likely you're going to get a click from an email than from a tweet. Campaign Monitor says that all this is due in part to the high number of people who read their emails in their inbox compared to the low number of people who see your social media activity. So you're six times more likely to get click-throughs from an email campaign than you are from a tweet. And a message is five times more likely to be seen in an email than in a Facebook post. Now, these are averages. Are there exceptions to these? 100% absolutely. So if you're the person saying you get way more interaction from your Facebook post than email, that could happen. But on average, that's what we're seeing. Marketing Sherpa, according to a report from them, 72% of those surveyed prefer to receive promotional content through email compared to only 17% who prefer social media, such as their Facebook feed, for example. Now, when it comes to sales, and that's really at the end of this, right? We're trying to generate sales. The DMA reports that email marketing drives more conversions, again, sales conversions, 66% more than any other channel, including social media, online search, even direct mail. The average order value from an email sale is more than three times higher than that of social media as well. So there's a lot here to show you the value that you're going to get. So if you're still not sure about email, if there is an ROI in email, is it worth your effort? After seeing these statistics coming from extremely reputable sources and their data, it goes to show you that there is an ROI. And then Oberlo shows about the ROI aspects of it. So they came out with a study and they reported it, but it came from the DMA back in 2019. So not that long ago. For every dollar you spend on email marketing, you're going to expect an average return of $42. That's massive. Again, all results are going to vary, but through their analysis and through their data and their research, this is what they're coming up with. So you're not going to get these types of numbers in return just for emailing, just for the sake of emailing. You have to understand, you know, how spam comes into it, what types of spam laws there are around the world and the regulations. You have to understand a little bit about segmentation, uh, the different types of emails that you can do, and even how do you acquire email addresses. So we're going to touch on all of this through this episode, but we at first wanted to go over and squash any thoughts that you might have about email marketing being dead and is email marketing even worth it? In short, it is very much worth it. There's no question, but like all of the other pillars of digital marketing that we talked about, you have to do it right. You have to use the strategy and tactics behind it the right way, right? If you're just spamming people, then your email marketing strategies are not going to be successful. So speaking of spam, we figured we would start with some of the privacy laws concerning email marketing because there are laws that govern the use of email and you need to abide by them because the fines can be very, very hefty. I think most of us at this point are familiar with the can spam compliance, and that basically means that somebody has to have the ability to opt out of email communication, and you have to honor that opt out and stop communicating with them based on their permissions. However, there are also some privacy laws, and the biggest, the one that I think of most of the time, is the GDPR, which is the General Data Protection Regulation. This is a regulation in the European Union, which is a law on data protection and privacy throughout the EU and the European economic area. There are some severe teeth when it comes to this law, and what I mean by that is the fines can be hefty if you are found violating it. Now, 
Working here in the U.S., I've heard companies say, well, GDPR only applies to the EU, and so we don't need to abide by it. And I got to tell you, that's terrible advice. You should absolutely make sure you're abiding by the GDPR. Other countries have privacy laws as well concerning spam. Uh, Canada has the CASL, which is the Canada's anti-spam legislation, and that protects consumers and businesses from the misuse of digital technology, including spam and other electronic threats. Here in the United States, some of the states have passed their own laws. For example, in California, there is the California Consumer Privacy Act, which basically does the same thing. It enhances privacy rights and consumer protection for residents in the state of California. Now, if you are GDPR compliant, because GDPR has the strongest bite when it comes to the privacy laws, you will, in effect be in compliance with all of these other privacy laws. So that's why at Digital Marketing Happy Hour, Ryan and I recommend starting with GDPR compliance. There's a few key things you need to understand to ensure that you're compliant. First, you must have a legal basis for collecting personal data, and you have to give the consumers the option to choose not to allow you to save their data. If they don't elect to let you save their information, you cannot communicate with them. In fact, their information can't exist anywhere in your databases. There's also a component of it where they have to allow you to communicate with them, right? So you might have their email address, but if they haven't granted you permission to use it, then you're not able to communicate with them. Then the last part of that is they consumers need to have the ability to see what data you're storing on them. And if they are so inclined, they can request that you remove their data from your database. And that's substantial because that's not simply not emailing them. That means physically purging their information from your database. And if you're found violating that, the fines can be pretty hefty. Now, there are some exclusions for GDPR, and that includes a legal basis. So if there's a component where you have to communicate with them and there's a strong legal basis for doing so, then they don't always have to grant consent. But for most marketing purposes, that simply doesn't apply. So again, you can do a lot more reading about these and you can also check out the Araxum blog for more information. But we wanted to make sure that you're aware of them because ensuring that you are compliant with privacy laws is a very important step to ensuring your email marketing success. So we definitely, it's great touching on that because it is important. And I, as well as you, Chris, have, have talked to people who really overlook it here in the USA. And um, and you can't, even if you're not doing business, you know, sp specifically in the EU, California is strengthening their spam laws as well. So it's something that really global, everybody should adopt. So good, good clarification on that. So how do emails themselves end up as spam or as junk mail? There are a lot of reasons. So we're just going to very quickly go on some of those, those points. So there are several reasons for this. One of which is you just didn't get permission to email them. One way this happens is you go out and you buy a list and you get that list and then you plug them into your email service provider and then you start hitting them up. Okay. That's cause for trouble. When people hand you their email addresses, like at a trade show, for example, you can't just put them in your bucket of all your subscribers and send it out to them. Technically, there's a chance they did not give you permission to email them. So those are a couple of ways how you, you can email people without getting their permission. There's several others, but one just touch on this. Another way your emails end up in the spam is you have low engagement rates on your previous emails that you send out. 
or the spam filters are triggered by certain words in the subject line or in the body of the email. So some examples of this, and there's more words, but just some examples of words that you have in your subject or in the body that are triggering these filters. Using the word free, the word guarantee, increase sales, order now, risk-free, special promotion. And here's a great one. When you write in your email saying, this is not spam, that actually can trigger that to go into spam. So there's several others. I think free is probably one of the biggest ones that really triggers that. But here's the other thing. We talk about and last week, social media and put the social uh, back in social media with engagement. You have to have the same philosophy and principles in your email marketing strategy. If you're not getting people to open your emails and you're not getting people to engage with it, meaning they're clicking on whatever links you have in your emails, over time, the email filter is going to assume that and treat it as spam. And then you're not going to end up in the inbox anymore. They're going to go into the spam filter. So two tips for you on this. So tip number one is go to the website isnotspam.com. And in there, you can send a test email. So is not spam is an online spam checker. And it was created to help you test email and your newsletter content. So it will alert you if it is likely to trigger spam filters, and then you can make the changes from based on the feedback and the results that you get. So that's tip number one. Tip number two is about the low engagement rates. Over time, and this is, I've had this happen to me. I can, I've seen this done where you're not getting enough email open rates and enough click throughs that your emails end up going into the junk mail. How you can help sort of circumvent this a little bit is only send emails to subscribers who have opened or clicked one of your emails in the last six months. This is going to help you reduce the number of emails that end up in your spam folder. So the people and users who are engaging with your emails, Send them, create a list, segment them out. Uh, we talked about segmentation briefly. It was mentioned. We'll get into that a little bit more coming up. But again, segment your audience of people who are engaging with it and send them emails. And that will help keep your emails in the inbox and not in the spam box. Very, very important points there, Ryan. And in order to make sure that individuals don't flag your emails for spam, we really need to talk about personalization and segmentation. Personalization is basically how you personalize an email to a recipient. So that might include demographic information, their age, their gender, the title they have within the company. Usually the easiest form of personalization is simply starting the email with dear first name and whatever email tool you're, in, you're using will inject their first name uh, into the email. It can include geographic information. If you know they're from a particular you know, city, state, country, uh, that works very well for brick and mortar locations. Engaged users, Ryan made a point of talking about this just a minute ago, but segment out users that are engaging with your emails more frequently, or perhaps more importantly, remove users who are not engaging with your emails because they're, they're showing that they're not interested anymore. And previous customers is another key form of personalization. Send them coupons, send them new offers, referrals, uh, opportunities to leave reviews on places like Google and Facebook and other social media outlets. Those are all key elements of personalization. Segmentation is considered separate of personalization, but I got to tell you, Ryan, I really consider the two very tightly linked. 
And the reason I say that is segmentation is your ability to boil down a subset of your list of uh, prospects or customers. So for example, it might be, give me anybody in my pool that is female, that is between the ages of 24 and 49, that has purchased a product from product line X in the last three months. Those are the individuals that I want to send this email to. In large businesses, you wind up sending out emails to a, a much bigger grouping. And the reason for that is you'll have salespeople or you'll have executives or other marketers that come and say, no, I want this message to go out to as many people as possible. And right there is the fallacy. You want the email to go to as many people as possible. If you're looking at it through that lens, you're not looking at it through the lens of your customer. What does your customer want? Focus on their needs and wants. And if the offer that you have or the email that you need to send is relevant to them, then and only then should you consider sending it. That will help you get better engagement. And that will also reduce the amount of times you get flagged for spam by individuals that are receiving your emails that it is not relevant to. If you take a potentially good customer and you send them too much unwarranted email, and, and think about your own behavior with this, right? If you've engaged with a company before and they send you, you know, a promotional email, you might just delete it. Then they send you a second promotional email a day later. Maybe you delete that one. By the third, fourth, fifth time, if you're getting promotional emails that are not relevant to you, what do you do? Most of the time you unsubscribe. So you've just taken a customer who could be a repeat customer or somebody that is of value to the company and you've lost them simply because you didn't send them information that was relevant to them at the time that they needed it. Don't be selfish with your marketing. Focus on your customer's needs, personalize and segment effectively. Absolutely. And with that, one of the great ways we can use email marketing is to push people through the funnel. That comes through lead nurturing. If you recall, or if you haven't listened to it, go back to episode 24, how to choose the right content for each stage of the marketing funnel. That's really important. When you have that content, you need a vehicle. Now, a vehicle could be a blog post. It could be a social media platform. And it also is email marketing. When you get somebody's email address and we want to push them down the funnel, one of the ways you do it is through marketing automation. It's lead nurturing so that you're peppering the prospective customer with informative information via email marketing. This works really well. And through that, it's important to understand that A, the different types of content and episode 24, we talk about that. The next is Go back and listen to episode 27, which we got a lot of uh, positive feedback on that. It was three tips for simplifying your marketing automation, where we get a little bit deeper into uh, some of the marketing automation, some tools to use for this. So listen to both so you can understand the types of content to use and some tips on marketing automation that will really benefit the segments of email marketing. What's important is to use email marketing so people are receiving content, you're building trust with them continuously, and you can tell which emails are working and what's resonating with the people who are the recipients of those emails based off of which emails are being opened. And then not only which emails are being opened, but which emails are being clicked. That will also give you an idea of where that prospective buyer is in the funnel. They still kind of near the top or they're getting closer where they maybe click something about a product demo or something like that, that gives you some signals that they're getting closer to making a buying decision. Lead nurturing and automation go hand in hand. Now, 
for automation, you have to have these emails, you know, already mapped out and, and already uploaded into your email service provider. So every so many days, they're going to receive an email. So there are some great tools out there uh, for that. Not going to get into that here, but you have to understand that these are very effective ways with automation that really pushes your prospective client and customer down the funnel and gets them closer to making that purchasing decision and doing it with you. So Ryan, let's talk for a minute about how you acquire email addresses, because I think traditionally the model has always been to go find databases and vendors that sell databases and to purchase a list of names and emails and just start blasting out a bunch of messages to them, right? And that is not an effective way of communicating with individuals. It's kind of like direct mail, right? If you send out enough of them, yeah, maybe a small percentage of them convert, but it's not a great way to delight your customers and it's not a great way to build new customers either. So what is the best way, in your opinion, to start acquiring email addresses so that you can start sending out some email marketing campaigns? Yeah, and I think it's also important to remember why it's vital to have somebody's email address list. It's because you own that email address as opposed to social media platforms that you're promoting on, which, by the way, are fantastic. They're great of reaching a broader audience. Um, you can also get very uh, niche down and target people based on their interests. It's fantastic. But you rent on those spaces. When you have somebody's email address, you can control the information that's going into their inbox. So it's important that you do collect email addresses. You'll hear sometimes the money is in the list. What they the list they're talking about is the list of email addresses you have. How big is your list? This also goes to you don't have to have thousands and tens of thousands of email addresses to see revenue coming into your business. You can have 250, but if it's 250 uh, email addresses of people who are interested, they've been qualified, then that's the target audience that you need to reach out through consistently with email marketing. So having an email list is great. You definitely want to go like everything else, quality over quantity. How do you acquire those email addresses? Well, there are several ways and we're going to go through. And the best way is to use the quote unquote lead magnet. You might have heard of this term before. If not, basically it's kind of how it sounds. You're creating content and you will give that content to people who come to your website in exchange for their email address. Email address is the marketing currency of the world. So it's extremely important to get email addresses. Now, sometimes people give you fake email addresses just to get the content. It's going to happen, right? It's no different than when you've someone's asked for your phone number on a form and you give them a fake phone number because you don't want to be bombarded with calls. It's going to happen. That's okay. If the content that you're giving them, though, is of quality and of value, they're still going to read and consume your content and they'll find you another way. And when they do, they're going to give you legit information that time. So don't be overly concerned if you're getting an email address and it bounces because they did get your content and that's okay. Again, if you have quality content, they're going to come back and they're going to find you. So different types of lead magnets that are available. And of course, these lead magnets, you hide them behind uh a contact form where they're going to fill out a form on a landing page. Once they do that, now they can get your PDF or your video series. And then of course you should email them that content as well. So they have two ways of getting it. They're on the website and then of course through email. So that way they can have it on the go. So one thing is if I do this a lot, I will 
fill out a form on my phone, but I don't want to consume it on my phone because uh, it could be maybe a cool document or something like that. I'd rather do it on my computer or on an iPad where the screen is a little bit bigger and it's, it's just easier to read or, or, or consume. So I will then go in my email, wait for it to come through the email and I will consume it there. So it's good to do, do it both ways. Again, the vehicle that they get your lead magnet. So these lead magnets are not in any sort of order of what's the most effective or anything like that, but these are things that do work. Number one is to create a cheat sheet. So this is going to be an easy to consume document that displays examples and steps that help them make a decision on something. One way could be you can literally do two columns, a pros versus the cons of, you know, having that product or not having that product or just how quickly they can navigate and develop a strategy. That could be your cheat sheets, giving them tips and tricks on how they can, again, navigate. It's something that is a, could be just a one pager and it's just, again, easy to consume. The next is worksheets. This helps your audience take action and narrow their focus so they can get the results that they're looking for. One way you can use worksheets is it helps them get clarity by answering questions. And a lot of times this is great for top of the funnel type things. You can even use worksheets to accompany maybe a video training series that you're running. So worksheets have a couple of ways that can add value to somebody. And again, it really does just help maybe narrow their focus or get a little clarity on something, work through ideas. So worksheets uh, work really well. The next type of lead magnet are guides. So a guide is just an overview document that's going to lead them through a journey with tips and helpful hints. This is a great opportunity for you to add a ton of value here with the guide. So again, think of your business and think of how would a guide be helpful? Where do people have trouble navigating through whatever that is? It could be the product itself. It could just be a problem to overcoming. So guides definitely have a great place. And again, you could add a ton of value. In the B2B space, the next lead magnet, we've the, the age-old white papers. Still very effective. Reports are great too. If you have a lot of data that you have over the last year. Let's say even, even how behaviors have changed. Look at your analytical data and seeing, okay, pre-pandemic, our web traffic was doing this. In the pandemic, we saw behaviors change. Create a report of that and you can make it downloadable. Reports and white papers work extremely well, and it's a great way to get email addresses. So again, some of those are a little bit maybe higher the funnel than lower the funnel. So you have to understand where your content piece falls in the funnel. So now you know what type of emails to send them moving forward. Briefly touched on video training. 80% of people now are consuming video content on a somewhat regular basis. So video trainings are great. They don't have to be super in-depth. It could just be a, a, a one module, one video that they can see. But before they see that training, they're gonna get you're gonna get their email address. Other quick ways, you can have a great social media following and you want to come up with a challenge, let's say on Instagram, for example, it's, it could be a, a three-day challenge, a five-day challenge. You know, as we're going through the holidays, one of the things that happens big time in January is everybody wants to get in shape and, and you can come up with a video series, a, a challenge on each day. Maybe they do some sort of different workout, for example, but if you participate in this challenge, 
send them to the website and they're on the landing page. You get their email address and now you can start emailing them day one of the challenge and so forth all the way through. So challenges work well. Quizzes, I'm sure you've taken a million quizzes, whether it's on Facebook. Sometimes quizzes are sent through email as well. Quizzes are just basic questionnaires. It could be something as simple as, you know, what Kardashian, you know, do you most resemble? You know, what is your spirit animal? Something a little bit like that's just gets people to engage, work well. Maybe the information you'll get from it is not going to be the most useful, but it does get people engaged. Now you can make it, you know, really informative and you can create the quiz so that you're getting some market research out of it. So quizzes work well. A lot of people love to participate in them. So I highly recommend that. And there are tons of software products that you can use to create your quiz. The next one is a free mini course. So this takes the video training to the next level. So you can do maybe a three-part video course on there or a mini course. It doesn't have to be video, but video seem to, to work well. And again, it's just an extended version maybe of the video training that you have already done. This gets the prospect to sort of dip their toe in the water. So if you are a coach, if you are a consultant, if you've already created a digital course, offering them kind of a sneak peek into what your premium course offers, this is great. Because if you're going to get buy-in from your, your mini course, if they see your expertise, all of a sudden you're building trust with them, they're seeing value. Now you're that much closer for them to purchasing your premium. And you could be selling a premium product of a course you know, for approximately $3,000. That is not uncommon. But in order to get people to spend that kind of money on you, you have to give things away throughout this process. And one way to give something away in exchange you're getting that email address is mini courses. And then lastly, one thing that is kind of an old standard in digital marketing is creating an ebook. A great way to create an ebook is to curate blog posts that you've already written. And all you have to do is then kind of segment them out create transitions from each chapter of the book, but go through and look at your last 10 to 20 blog posts. And then you can come up and create an ebook and you can use tools like Canva to help design your ebook, create that ebook. And again, this is repurposing content. And again, the only way to get your ebook is if they fill out the form on the landing page. So those are several different ways. And I'm sure there's even more than that, but these are some ways that are very effective that you can acquire email addresses so now you can use them and uh, market them effectively through email. Those are all great ideas, Ryan. And I think the key to remember here is when you're asking somebody to fill out a form and hand over their email address, their email address is an important commodity to them. How likely would you be to hand over your email address to somebody that you know is going to email you if they're not giving you any value in return? Probably not very likely, right? Well, your lead magnet forms need to do the same thing. You need to be providing them with something that is valuable enough for them to trust you with their email address. It's kind of like Jay Barrow, he says, make your marketing so useful that people will pay for it. In this case, you're giving it away and all you're asking for is an email address so that you can continue to communicate with that person. I love that quote from Jay Barrow. We, we use it a lot because it's so meaningful. When you're not sure of where you draw the line on what you give away and what you don't, the what and the why of your product, always give that away. Give that away without regrets. What people will pay for and they'll pay a premium for is when 
you show them how to do that. How? That's the solution people are looking for. So when you can do that, that's where you kind of draw the line between what's free and what is paid for. So Chris, with email marketing, I think we have now, I think we can put to bed that email marketing is very much alive. It is so far from dead. It's not email that's wrong. Sometimes it's how people use email that is the problem. Chris, what is one takeaway about email marketing that you feel people should have from listening to this podcast episode? So I'm actually going to go ahead and give you two takeaways in case you wanted a Cliff Notes version of the podcast. The first is make sure you're abiding by privacy laws. It's such an easy step to overlook or something that you know you feel maybe isn't as important as capturing the lead information, but make sure you are compliant with privacy laws. It will save you so much trouble down the road. The very act of ensuring that you're following the privacy laws ensures that you're safely storing your customer's information and following their best wishes. And that's going to do more to create trust in the long run, which will do more to create a long-term customer. And then the second takeaway I'll give you is personalize and segment. For the love of God, personalize and segment. Make sure that the email is relevant to the individual you're sending it to at the time that you're sending it to them. And if you do that, then you will find, to Ryan's point, that email is very much alive and very, very effective. Ryan, what about you? What's the one takeaway you'd like to leave our listeners with? So Chris, not only is email marketing one of the most effective tools to increase revenue, but it's practically in every single industry. We all use email. And for those who always say, you know, email is dead, how much you want to bet they have at least one email app on their phone and they probably use it. So, you know, sometimes people have three different types of email apps on their phone. Just depends on the type of business they're doing. You know, a personal app could be a professional one. So it is very much alive. It's just how you use the tool. And hopefully if you go through these tips and tricks through this, you can create a better strategy for your email marketing and go back and listen to some of the previous episodes where we talk about content, serving up the right content to the right audience at the right time. And email marketing is definitely a vehicle. It's part of that process. Excellent. So that will wrap up another episode of Digital Marketing Happy Hour. But as always, no episode is complete without the Keep It Light segment. So Ryan, what are you reading or uh, binge watching these days? Binging is the right word for me, but it's it's not reading or watching something. I'm going to be binging out on food this week. This is one of the great things we talked about with Thanksgiving. It will be binging on food and some drinks. And one of my favorite things in, in, in with, with family, it's always great to get together. It's going to be different. It is different this year. So that part is uh, definitely a missing out on. But I uh, love, love football. So eating and drinking and watching football for 12 hours is great. But of course, it all starts with the parade. I'm very excited that the uh, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade is taking place this year. Maybe a little bit different than it has been in years past. But I'm glad to see that there are certain traditions that we will be able to continue. Maybe a little different in 2020. But that is uh, that's definitely what I'll be binging. What about you, Chris? And just to confirm, you're talking about American football that you'll be watching. <laughs> That's correct. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm with you. I, uh, you know, I've been trying to get the house in order for some family coming over and whatnot. And uh, you know, I'm not a big reality TV fan. It's always funny to me. We've had guests on the podcast, uh, Jay Bear and Jason Osborne, previously that talked about the show Below Deck and. 
you know, sometimes it's hard for me to relate to that because I just cannot watch reality television. I find it so mind numbing. But the other day I was flipping through channels and I just wanted something on while I was working. And uh, Netflix recommended this show called Forged in Fire. And I was like, you know, what the heck, I'll check it out. And I have to admit, it mesmerized me. And I think the reason it mesmerized me, so the premise of the show is these individuals are modern day blacksmiths. And so they forge steel and other metals in their in their forges and they create knives and swords and they do these all these replicas of like famous swords and and things like that and you know the episodes are only like 40 minutes or so and it's a it's an elimination show so they're building onto it as as the show goes on and i think part of the reason that stuff always kind of amazed me is i'm not as handy when it comes to things like that i've always worked in a digital world and you know ryan you and i are both fans of the walking dead and i think for anybody that's a fan of that show you go through those thought exercises of like what would happen if we were in a zombie apocalypse right and suddenly the skills we have as marketers not so applicable in that world but if you can forge a really cool sword or a knife that might be very useful so i just find it you know very entertaining to watch and it's such an incredible talent one that i'll never have so it's uh it's it's definitely keeping it life for me. I like that. So I guess I didn't realize that really you kind of stayed away from reality TV as a whole. Yeah, I'm just not a fan of the genre. I find the backfighting and, you know, people, you know, being nasty behind each other's backs and stuff. It just doesn't do it for me. I think it shows the worst of humanity and uh, not something I want to be a part of. So I very much like to be a part of that, and I do consume <laughs> reality TV. I actually, I am still, one of my favorite shows is Survivor. I thoroughly enjoy Survivor because of all aspects of the game itself. I do love reality TV. I don't have a ton of shows that I watch, but the shows that I do watch, I'm pretty dedicated to, and probably Survivor is the biggest one. So I am looking forward to Survivor coming back in 2021. That one is a big one for me. The other one, another one I love, Amazing Race, where you get to see all different parts of the world. I like the game kind of aspects of, I guess, both of those. So those are two of the the handful that I watch that I religiously watch and uh, I do love. So I love me some reality TV. On that note, we want to hear from you. Is there something that you loved, something you kind of disagreed with in the world of email marketing? We know you're passionate about marketing and let us know you've done it in the past and keep it coming for us. Let us know. We'd love to get your feedback on this episode or all the episodes that you have hopefully binged at this point. One way you can do it, send us an email. Send us an email to podcast at araxam.com. That's podcast at A-R-A-X-A-M.com. Also hit us up on social media. You can find me on LinkedIn. Just do a search for Ryan Smith Marketing. Do a LinkedIn search for Araxum. Find Chris and I both uh, under Araxum. Also, Instagram and Twitter, hit me up. Ryan Smith FLA is my handle. That's Ryan Smith FLA. And I'm on Twitter at Real Chris Caselli. That's R-E-A-L-C-H-R-I-S-C-A-S-A-L-E. And of course, my preferred method of contact is anything on LinkedIn where you can find me under my name, Chris Caselli, but you can also find me under Araxum or Digital Marketing Happy Hour, as Ryan mentioned. And if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. We sincerely hope it will enlighten your day. After all, it is our mom's favorite podcast. And on that note, have a safe and happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Be kind to each other.
Thank you for listening to the Digital Marketing Happy Hour. This week's episode is brought to you by Araxum.com, your digital resource for marketing and technology. Visit Araxum at A-R-A-X-A-M.com. The music intro you heard is called Pure Adrenaline by Eddie off the album Too Damn Loud. You can learn more at CactusSlimRecords.com. The music used for closing credits In My Pocket by Jazzer, you can find it on their album Message. Learn more at BetterWithMusic.com. Thank you for listening.